The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Is your organization a talent magnet? Is your culture the envy of the business market? Top organizations need top leaders. Make sure that you are that leader. This show will ensure that you are. Welcome to I Lead the Leadership Connection with Dr. Linda Sharkey. Leaders today are more than just results. They are about creating legacies of great people, driving winning organizations, and raising the bar for themselves and that of their teams. Now, here is your host, Dr. Linda Sharkey. Hi, I'm Linda Sharkey, and welcome to I Lead the Leadership Connection. I'm very excited about this month as we're focusing in on neuroscience and neuroscience in particular and its relationship to uh, leadership. And uh, I recently was appointed, very humbly excited about this, to the board of the Academy of Brain-Based Leadership, a new organization uh, out of San Francisco and uh, has a global reach that looks at and works with leaders to help develop the 17 capacities of the brain. Last week, we had Dan Radicki, Dr. Dan Radicki, who is one of the leading um, individuals who started the um, Neuroscience Leadership Institute. And one of his things that he said, and, and I do agree with this point, that the brain is the last big frontier of the body, that there's so much that we don't know about the brain, and there's so much that we are learning about it, and it's... What's, what I find absolutely fascinating is that we're beginning to see what theories really work and what theories didn't uh, as a result of our studies of the brain. In particular, I'm fascinated with the notion of uh, people who believe that they empathize with others when someone is hurt or somebody is not feeling good, etc. But in fact, they do empathize with them. But if they're similar to them or the same race as them, they empathize differently. Um, in fact, they have more empathy uh, for someone in, a, in a, a, a troubled situation. People won't say that. They don't believe that. But looking at the brain response seems to indicate that that is the case. So I guess this leads me to another thought. The more we understand about the brain, how we interact with others, how we exhibit bias, how we exhibit fear, how we exhibit and differences can only help us understand how to work more and better together. So I was talking the other day, I was being interviewed for Big Speak, which is a uh, global 
uh, Speakers Bureau, of which I am a part, and we were talking about diversity. And to me, I said to them, it's not about diversity. We have diversity in the workplace. Just, just walk into the workplace. There are diverse people all over the place, and particularly if you're a global company. The question is not diversity. The question is really about inclusion. And do we have leaders that gravitate to people like themselves, hire people like themselves, promote people like themselves, almost unknowingly? It's not because these leaders are bad. It's because our brain is wired to gravitate towards people that are like ourselves. We feel safe. There's less fear. We feel quicker to trust when people are similar to ourselves. And in many ways, we don't even realize it. So the real key in this next millennium is to understand what constitutes inclusion and how you can break those chains almost that keep you from including others that are different from you. And that's the real question at hand. So I'm spending this whole month focusing on neuroscience. I'm spending this whole month talking with key leaders from the Academy of Brain-Based Leadership. And why I am so impressed with this organization, aside from the fact that they asked me to be on the board, which I was very excited for, is that the underpinnings of their organization is based on a lot of research from an MD, doctor, and PhD in neuroscience, Evian Gordon. And if you don't know who Evian Gordon is, you should look him up. And he has been studying the brain and studying change, studying behavior change, and why people don't change uh, for, for a very long period of time. And he's the individual that developed this original 17 capacities of the brain. And then it was the Academy of Brain-Based Leadership that took this information and said, how does this, these 17 capacity of the brain apply to leadership? And they turned it into a 360 and all sorts of other fascinating things. Well, it turns out after studying um, the brain a lot and looking at these 17 capacities, of which empathy is a big one, that that is probably one of the most underdeveloped aspects of the brain. Now, here's the good news. You can, once you understand that, begin to develop any one of those capacities in a period of time. And it doesn't take forever. It takes identifying it, unlearning certain things, and relearning other things, and practicing those things on a regular basis for as little as five or ten minutes a day. So this week we have on Dr. Catherine Hambly. And Dr. Catherine Hambly is uh, one of the senior consultants and founding partners of the Academy of Brain-Based Leadership. She served as a strategic business partner to leaders and organizations that are looking to enhance their effectiveness and ensure success through their people. Now, if you haven't figured out by this time, it is your people that is your competitive advantage. And understanding what makes them tick is what's going to make you a sustainable organization. So, Catherine translates neuroscience into practical applications, another word that I love, in the areas of leadership development, executive coaching, 
organizational culture, change, and strategic planning. She's an expert in using neuroscience and these applications to develop high-performing teams. She's worked across a broad spectrum of industries and organizations, uh, also government, privately held, etc. She's a psychologist and brings a deep understanding of people, relationships, and systems. So, Catherine, I am so excited to have you with us today, and I appreciate you taking the time to join, to join the show. Well, very excited to be with you, Linda. Looking forward to this. Yeah, I, I um, really wanted to find out from you what made you study neuroscience and what made you uh, passionate about it in the first place. Well, you know, um, I've got a background in, in healthcare as well, and I've always been passionate about that relationship between the physical and the emotional and, and behavioral. And so neuroscience is, it, what it's done is it's put that hard science under the soft skills and really created an opportunity to say, hey, the, the, we got to listen to this because everybody brings their brain to work and we have an opportunity to leverage their brains. And so it just, it just seems like such a great opportunity to, to make that kind of impact. Yeah, I, I really think so too. What, what did you see as one of the biggest uh, ahas or insights that you had when you got into sort of peeling back the onion around the brain and how it functions and how it makes that connection, connection between, you know, behavior? Yeah, well, I, I think what it did, what the aha for me was is that it's, now when when I try to teach some of these skills or coach some of these skills, I'm able to say, well, this is what's going on in your brain. And, there, you know, the things like I know Phil and Dan talked about in the prior two weeks, like when people get uh, triggered, when they get um, their hot buttons pushed, it actually impacts their ability to think and, and collaborate and to see a wider perspective. So it was just really seeing that the, the stuff is really having an impact. In, in in the brain. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so Dan was talking about sort of the lower order and the higher order of the brain. And, you know, pushing that hot button, that's that's really tough. Uh, it's very hard for people to control those their emotions in those kinds of settings. It sure so is. What do you see that they, yeah, what, what, how, how do you see, do you really see people able to control their hot buttons. Very much so, and, and that's what's been really exciting about this, is that we know that we can teach people some specific skills and behaviors to practice that, that actually create change in the brain. We know the brain is neuroplastic. We know that we can, if people can learn some of these abilities to manage their emotions, that they can actually be way more effective in whatever it is that they're trying to do. So, yeah, it's been, I mean, to me, that's one of the most exciting parts of this work is that, you know, I have an opportunity to work with people and help them create very meaningful, positive change. You know, though, it does strike me that not all emotion is bad. I mean, sometimes it isn't bad to let your hot button be demonstrated. What, What do you think of that? You know, Linda, well, the way I always look at it is uh, I look at it under effectiveness. So if 
your expression of your, as you say, hot buttons leads to an effective, productive outcome, then it's probably not a bad thing. I, I think it's, uh, so it's not about really judging the behavior, whether it's good or bad. It's really seeing, uh, am I having the kind of impact that I want to be having? Yeah, and do you feel good about yourself when you're, uh, you know, when you've demonstrated that hot button? I mean, I know that when I go off the rails uh, sometimes, and we all do, yeah. um, there are times I, w- I wish I hadn't. And, and um, you know, it diminished me as an individual, quite frankly. Absolutely. You know, the one, one of the ways I think about it, Linda, is, is that it's all about um, being consciously aware of what I'm doing. So if I'm angry about something and it, the anger doesn't take over, but I can actually express it in a way that is effective, then, then that anger isn't a bad thing. But if I get angry and I start yelling and I'm throwing things or I'm insulting somebody, that's not an effective express. That's where the anger's taken over for me. And I'm not exerting any of that um, ability to manage it well. And that's really what emotional intelligence is all about. Right, exactly. Very interesting. Uh, we have a minute to break. So I'm going to ask you uh, one other quick question, and then we'll break. Sure. And then I want to get into some of this notion of what you've learned about resilience and stress and the brain. Because resilience, uh, we've found from our own research, is a characteristic that's essential for leaders, uh, particularly in a global environment. So what made you uh, help form the Academy of Brain-Based Leadership? Well, besides the fact of feeling like amazingly privileged to be partnered with what I consider some of the greatest thought leaders in the field and a lot of fun, they're great to be around, to me it was an opportunity to impact more people's lives. You know, to me, the work that we're doing, especially when we're working with leaders and influencers of an organization, is that it touches so many people's lives and that by understanding the brain and how it, how it affects people's emotions and behaviors, that we can really help people um, find work, a, a very positive experience. Yeah, which is what we're really all about at the end of the day. It's create, at least, you know, I'm passionate about. It's creating a work environment where really people can shine, feel good about what they contribute, contribute um, where they can to really the success and where they can, can thrive. Absolutely. That, that yeah. is the essential piece. And not just thrive uh, to, because they're skating through, or, but really thrive to, to be the best they can be. That's, that's what makes the difference. So we're coming, we're, we're here at break. Stay with us. We're talking about the brain. I have with us Dr. Catherine Hambly, and we're going to be talking about the brain and resilience and stress and what stress does to the brain. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. 
Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. As your business grows, are you growing with it? Do you have the right balance of time, attention, work, and personal life? Take the growing pains out of growth and tune into The Business Edge with Marsha Zeidel. If you are spending most of your energy managing problems rather than focusing on taking your business to the next level, our program will give you the steps you need to make sure you have everything in place for forward-thinking business leadership. The Business Edge is heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to one 866 472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag iLeadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to iLead, the Leadership Connection. Hi, welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host of I Lead the Leadership Connection. And with me today is Dr. Catherine Hambly. Catherine is a uh, lead consultant for the Academy of Brain-Based Leadership, does a lot of training, is an expert in the area of neuroscience, resilience, and stress, and the impact it has on the brain. We're talking about emotion and emotional intelligence. So I wanted to uh, ask you, Catherine, you know, why does the brain exhibit emotion or not exhibit emotion? So and we were talking about that at break. And, you know, to give the audience a, a feel for that. Yeah, so emotions are such an integral part of the brain and of our lives that emotions are absolutely necessary for survival. And um, whether or not we exhibit emotion is really different than whether we experience emotion. Everybody experiences emotion. Everybody reacts to things in their environment, often, as, as Dan and Phil talked about earlier, very often non-consciously. Um, and we need emotion to, to, to help us respond. And, and there's actually been some very interesting work that looks at how acute stress in in small doses actually primes the brain for improved performance. Wow. So can you tell me more about that? Yeah. So what happened, what they were finding with acute stress is the brain actually generates new nerve cells and, and that those nerve cells are involved in learning new tasks. So um, stress is not a bad thing. It's just it really has to do with how much of it, how long, how long it lasts, and how we perceive it. But that we know that it, um, acute stress can improve alertness, it can improve cognitive and behavioral performance, 
uh, helps us to adapt. So those are the positive aspects of it. Hmm. Yeah, and so what shapes emotions for people, do you think? Do you know? You know, that's a great question, and, and I, don't think I, I, I don't think I have the, the full answer to that one. I think that some of that is still a bit of a mystery, what makes, us, what makes us unique. You know, it's the same kind of thing as personality, but certainly we know there's a lot of unconscious biases that are out there that influence our emotion, but a lot of that is just, it's just who we are and, and our, our brain and the way it functions. Yeah, and how, how do you think people can leverage their own brain to build a more inclusive culture? What do they have to do to be more accepting of different tribes and other people? Yeah, I, I think a lot of that, Linda, is the willingness to look at differences as opportunities and, and perspective rather than differences as something wrong. I mean, as you know, in this world, so often differences are seen as a way to um, see you as wrong and me as right. And, and really what, we're, yeah. what we want people to begin to understand is we're all unique and our differences, um, we can learn to really see those as strengths and opportunities to uh, um, bring a unique perspective. Yeah, you know, it's it was so interesting. I, I'm sure you've been following, I, I forget what her first name was, but the woman who was the head of the uh, NAACP in Spokane, Washington, who actually is uh, a white woman, but claimed that she was, um, you know, part black. Are you familiar with that story that's been out I'm in the papers? I'm not, no. It was, it was very, very interesting. The reason I'm raising it is that... Um, she uh, articulated when she was on uh, Matt Lauer's show, mm-hmm. and she said, he said, why, why, why do you think this way? You know, she said, because our race is human. That's what our mm-hmm. race is. Our race is yeah. not black or white or Asian. Our race is human. We're all part of the human race. And, you know, I thought that that was a very interest, interesting point of view that if we saw our tribe as the whole human race it might change some of the bias we have towards others which we clearly it, do it really would and, and and on a practical level linda often what i encourage people to do is to get curious about another person's perspective mm-hmm. so often when we hear someone see things differently or look differently or act differently we we tend to judge it instead of just getting curious yeah like just asking the question oh yeah you know, why, why are you approaching it that way? I'd really like to know. And how you yes. ask the question, of course, is also yes. very, very, very important. So tell me the connection between resilience and the brain. What have you learned about resilience? And we talked a little bit about stress, you know, being acute stress, not being a bad thing, in fact, being a good thing. And what about a resilience? Yeah, well, the good news is is that we can develop greater resilience. Um, kind of like immunizations, we can we can inoculate ourselves a little bit for stress, um, and there's a lot of strategies to do that. Uh, for example, even just imagery. If I know I'm going to be going into a stressful situation, there's very interesting research that shows that if I just imagine myself coping with it well and actually kind of literally walk through it in my imagination that I'm actually 
it, it, that is actually helping my brain to adapt and to, to develop greater resilience. Uh, we know that we can ha- do some brain training exercises that help um, build some of that braking system in the brain so that we, uh, I, I sort of call it the keeping the foot out of your mouth part of the brain where you actually think before you respond that we can, as, as we learn to develop that skill, we develop more self-control. Uh, we know that there's ways to optimize the brain, you know, good sleep, exercise, positivity. Um, and then, of course, there's just helping people learn ways to manage strong emotion, especially emotion that's having a negative impact on them. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting that you say about positivity because there is a lot that's been written about, uh, you know, the children of the boomers, uh, all of mm-hmm can't speak for you, but all of us who raised children to be extremely positive, think that they can do everything. And there's been a sort of backlash around that in in the literature that they're not necessarily uh, well grounded in um, their own personal reality. Mm. How is that that positivity? You know, go ahead. Oh yeah, I, I guess what I was thinking, Linda, is, is that maybe some of what happened for those kids, and I've I've got some of the same kids, you know, um, yeah. is that maybe they didn't get enough stress inoculation. I think part of what happens is, as parents, we uh, I, again, I can say it's true for me. I sort of tried to protect my kids, maybe at times too much from some of the mm-hmm. the normal stresses of life, and um, fortunately they still experience them because kids will be kids and teenagers will be teenagers. But, yeah, I mean, I think we don't need to... It's valuable to help our kids experience tough times and learn how to cope rather than feeling we need to protect them from it all the time. Yeah, and I I think it is going to have somewhat of an an impact down the road. But I do think, uh, you know, positive, positivity is is... a very important factor, so I'm not opposed to it. I'm, I think it's a very important factor in helping people uh, achieve great things. That part of it is believing that they can. And like you say, imagining that success right. and seeing it every day. So how do people do exercises to imagine their success? Well, I can give you an example. I've done a lot of work with uh, leaders and helping them prepare for public speaking events, which... Mm-hmm. Um, some people equate the fear of public speaking to be greater than the fear of death. Uh, so some people can get highly anxious for that. And what I often tell them is start, start listening to what you're saying to yourself because usually what's happening is they're rehearsing to get anxious instead of rehearsing to succeed. So I walk them through and, and we imagine, okay, you're walking out onto the stage and like literally see, I, I often, if it's a stage or a room, whatever it is, I often encourage them to know what the room looks like so they can imagine what it is and, and actually see, think through what they're going to say to themselves uh, so that they can come across more effectively. Uh, so it's, it's really both visual imagination, but it's also uh, what I call self-talk. You know, what am I saying to myself to, mm. to help myself manage the situation effectively? And, and the Do more you they find that actually, when people... Go ahead. I, I, I didn't hear that. Say that again, Catherine? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. That, that's, why don't you go on? It's fine. Uh, what, what is the impact when people 
keep thinking that they can't do something. I mean, it's obviously that they don't do it, but what is the impact on, on them when they, when they have those negative thoughts? Yeah, so they develop a learned response. They develop a belief, and you know, there's a very, very close association between how I feel, how I think, and how I behave, and each one impacts the other. So if I continually think that I can't do something, I actually stop myself from doing it, um, usually start feeling somewhat defeated, um, and then that just bolsters my belief that I can't do it. It can become a really vicious cycle. Uh, the good news is is that we can turn that cycle by beginning to change some of that that belief system and and learning that we can do that. And again, that's where some of the imagery can come in really well. Uh, can can really be helpful because you can start seeing yourself doing being successful and then actually start practicing it in reality. Yeah, you know, Phil uh, Dixon, the CEO of the Academy of Brain Based mm-hmm. uh, Leadership showed me an exercise which I thought was fascinating and it's kind of speaks to what you say you know somebody comes up they're told oh you're really not any good at basketball or you're not any good at baseball or whatever it is or you know you start believing you can't catch a ball and uh, mm-hmm. you know he does this exercise where you focus on a particular part of an orange and then right. he starts tossing it and all of a sudden you can catch because you're not thinking about, oh, I really can't do this. You're thinking about and concentrating on something else. So I, I, I think the point of that whole exercise, which I think is brilliant, is to really break those chains of things that you're, you're, you're told as you're growing up, actually, that you mm-hmm. can or cannot do certain things. We are coming up on break, Catherine, so I'm going to stop here And we're going to continue to explore this. I want to talk more about what you look at when you're coaching using neuroscience. Um, I want to hear some of the stories of your successes, um, how you can help people change the way their brain works. So stay with us. I'm talking to Dr. Catherine Hambly, and we're talking about the brain, stress, and resilience, and how you can leverage your brain to help you be more productive. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Game-changing technologies and strategies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive for a reason. They shake up your status quo. They get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow. They move you in amazing new directions. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time for our special series on the future of business. Learn how you can become the transformational leader who takes your company across the finish line as you look ahead to the next breakthrough wave of innovation. The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. 
Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag I Lead TLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. Hi, welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey. I'm your host of I Lead, the Leadership Connection. And with me today is uh, Dr. Catherine Hambly from uh, the Academy of Brain-Based Leadership, uh, a leading uh, instructor and consultant there. And we were talking about resilience, stress, and the impact that stress has, and how you think about positivity and rehearse being in a positive situation uh, where you're where you may be feeling stress and I, I love what uh, what Catherine said you know people sometimes focus on uh, when they're giving a speech um, rehearsing to get anxious instead of rehearsing to give a great speech and I, I certainly can identify with that but so Catherine how do beyond the rehearsing and the imagery, how do you help people to manage their stress? Yeah, that's a great question. I think there's a a number of things that we can do. First of all is is self-awareness of just being aware of what's going on. And and there's some very interesting research that's found that just the simple fact of, of labeling an emotion being able to say, oh, I'm feeling angry right now or I'm feeling scared right now actually has the effect of dampening down that emotion. So that's one of the things I often ask, tell people to or suggest to them is, you know, just kind of act like you're an observer of your emotions without, without any judgment of it, but just notice it. And, and it's interesting when people can kind of get themselves into a little bit of that observing state, how it just tends to calm the emotion down a little bit so it's just not quite as intense. Um, the other really big one, we or two big ones we use is breathing. Uh, you know, when when we get people to, or, or you yourself get get yourself to breathe ca- ca- slow and calmly, we're actually turning on the parasympathetic nervous system, which then tends to shut down that fight or flight response. So it's another great way to um, to manage stress. I've often encourage people to practice that breathing several times a day so that they they can train their bodies to go into a more relaxed state fairly quickly. The other one is uh, something we call cognitive reappraisal, and that's some of that self-talk I was mentioning before where we can get people to really look at, you know, are things as bad as I'm making them out to be, or am I overgeneralizing, or am I catastrophizing, or, you know, making assumptions. And so, you know, getting people to sort of take a step back and look at 
sort of what, what is really the reality here versus how I'm seeing it that might be colored through the strong emotion that I'm experiencing. So some of those are some of the things that we work on, and, and um, a lot of coaching is around that. Um, I'll, yeah, I'll often so that, that, that oh. leads me kind of to the, the next question that I wanted to explore with you. How mm-hmm. do you um, use all of this uh, neuroscience in your coaching practice? Yeah, well, as I said, the first step is really self-awareness. So what I try to help people do is to become more aware, one, of just how effective is the person being at whatever it is they want to be. You know, if if I'm trying, if I'm a leader and I'm wanting to, you know, um, connect better with my with the people that work for me, so that they're more likely to come come to me with issues. You know, how effective am I at doing that? So that's a lot of it is helping them realize what is the goal I have. You know, and and am I effectively attaining it? And then we look at the gap between what they want and what they're getting, um, and uh, start thinking about strategies to manage it better or to come across more effectively. So I really try to do the coaching much more around what the person wants for themselves versus anything that I think they should want for themselves. This is really focused on the other person and and what they're trying to achieve. Yeah, which, of course, is the best way to focus it. Um, And that's why it's so important not to focus on the past, but focus on that goal and that future future direction. Um, What... what do you see as can you can you give me some examples and some stories of how people have really succeeded in in um, changing how their brain works? Yeah, one story comes to mind because it's fairly recent. I've been working with this executive actually for about um, a year or so, and he had unfortunately a reputation in the organization of uh, being kind of hot headed. Uh, he lost he would lose a lot of credibility because. He just came across kind of angry and resentful and defensive. And fortunately, just a guy that had tremendous self-awareness and desire to be different. He's actually going to um, become a CEO fairly soon in the organization where he works, so this stuff is really important to him. Um, And we worked on some of this uh, sort of self-regulation, this ability to manage emotions better so that he... One was a more aware when he was experiencing the emotion. He became much more aware of things that triggered him, and, and so we could um, develop some strategies to um, be more proactive about not getting as triggered or responding differently when he got triggered. Um, and what was really neat is the chairman of the board of directors of this company came up to me and said, wow, he's really changed. What, what happened? <laughs> so it was a really wonderful thing to yeah. see that people were really noticing how he has just, he's so much more effective and people are listening to him now. There's much more. You know, I I bet that had an impact on on his family life as well because I bet you he he did a lot of that at home too. Well, funny you should say that because that's exactly what he talked about too. (laughs) Definitely with his wife and his kids. I'm sure he did. Yeah. That's what's fun about So how did you, yeah, it really is fun about the work because it really does change the, the individual's whole persona. So what, how did you help him un, uh, get to the nub of what his hot buttons were, what, what the triggers were? You know, a lot of it was just getting him to, to begin to notice patterns 
trends, like wh- when was, and, and some of that I, I also could be a bit of an objective observer too and say, gee, it seemed like you were reacting at this point. What do you think was going on? Um, and it was through that we, we just explored a little bit and started to notice, oh, okay, these are the times when I get triggered. Um, it, you know, it, for him, it had to do with whenever he thought that somebody was questioning his competency. And so, of course, when you start thinking that people are questioning your competency, you start seeing it even in places where it's not existing. And so a lot of the work was around helping him realize that, for example, when somebody asked him a question about why he did something or, or to tell more about his strategy, to not see it so much as they're, you know, they're, they're evaluating me or they're telling me I'm not doing it right, but more that they're really interested in hearing. And it just, it, it just took, and he has tremendous self-awareness, which is so critical to effective coaching. Yeah, that's really important that that people do have uh, a high degree of self awareness. Mm-hmm. So, what what have you seen as your biggest challenge in helping people change how their brain works? Well, self awareness might be one of them. Actually, that was exactly what I was going to say. Okay. One of them is to, to me, sort of the biggest challenges come one when people really lack self awareness and. And, and that isn't so bad except when they lack it and they're not really open to seeing it. Like some people have blind spots. We all do. I certainly know I do. But um, it, it's, it's sort of you've got to want to change. <laughs> um, and the other part is this whole concept of a growth mindset. I find that uh, when people get into of a fixed mindset where they start seeing themselves as sort of like this is the way I am and it's the way I'll always be, it gets a whole lot harder to coach. Um, and part of what the work becomes then is it just even getting the person to the point to realize, like, hey, you know, your brain really can change. You can change some of your habits. You can change the way you respond. Um, when people start having positive experiences with seeing some of that change, like, oh, wow, I, you know, instead of responding, I took a couple of deep breaths, and, wow, I, I, I was much more effective after I did that. Um, that's, that's really you got to get the person to begin to see that they can they can make changes and and then then the coaching goes a whole lot better yeah and you know uh, the, the fact is that anybody who's done coaching knows that that's the case uh, but now we know that the brain is really what is behind all of that so uh, that's a pretty interesting factor so as we're coming up to our next break in a minute I want to just ask you, what three pieces of advice do you have for leaders to really leverage their brain more? Uh, yeah, so I think first it's um, for them to know their own triggers and, and more self-awareness around what, what tends to trigger them and how they tend to respond when they are triggered. I think um, they got to learn to manage their emotions and their stress well and then be aware of how they are impacting others and, um, you know, for example, with stress, you know, looking for ways to have a positive impact on people and helping them manage their stress better. But it's really, it all starts with self-awareness and managing oneself and then um, that's where I think until you do that, it's really hard to start having an effective impact on other people. 
Yeah, it, it, it really is. You know, um, we're going to be at break in about 20 seconds, but um, my audience loves to email in. So I've gotten a great email, uh, Catherine, so I'd love you to stay on uh, through this next break and answer this this uh, question that I think is really fascinating. What do you see as where the field is headed? What's the next wave? Um, our question is from Fran, and she's from Texas. Um, okay. So stay with us. Uh, we'll be back. We're talking with Dr. Catherine Hambly. We're talking about the brain. We're talking about actually what I think are very uh, simple and doable strategies for helping you be more effective as a leader and managing your emotions better. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to one 866 Four seven two five seven nine zero. That's one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag #ILeadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now back to I Lead the Leadership Connection. Hi, welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host of I Lead the Leadership Connection, and thank you for staying with the show. I have with me uh, Catherine uh, Hambly, Dr. Catherine Hambly, who is uh, one of the faculty of the Academy of Brain-Based Leadership, a premier organization in helping to develop brain training and brain capacity. Um, We've just been having a fascinating conversation. And we have a question that was emailed in earlier, uh, Catherine, from Fran. And thanks, Fran, from Texas for uh, asking this question. Um, She wants to know what you see as the next wave of neuroscience and where do you see the field headed? Yeah, well, I I guess I, I see some good news and some words of caution to some buyer beware a little bit. You know, I think the brain has become a trend 
Um, nowadays, if, if it has the word brain in it, it it's selling better and people are, are more interested in it. And I think it's going to be so critical that uh, we keep the science in it, that this is, this is not a fad, it's not a trend, this is hard science, and I think um, really trying to keep the, the whole field credible by, by not losing sight of the, the neuroscience behind this. Um, in terms of where I think it's headed, a couple of things. I mean, one, I think this whole area of brain training is is really going to start to to grow and build. And again, it's going to be the same thing, making sure that there's there's science behind it, but that um, people are going to learn just like they do with with physical exercise. That if I devote time to to brain training, that I'm actually going to improve the the capability, the capacities of my brain and I'm going to be more effective. Um, one other area I think, too, more and more it's going to happen, and certainly has for me, is just the language we use, the w- learning that the way we say things to people really can impact how it gets heard in the brain. You know, for example, talking more about solutions than problems and um, asking more questions that that invite people to explore and to share their perspective. But I, I think that's now that we know so much about social needs and how they they can um, get threatened in the brain, I think this whole area of how we speak to people is going to continue to develop. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great one. I mean, you want to build inclusion, you want to build understanding, you want to build collaboration. And if you're not using the kinds of words, if you're using words that are threatening to people, that make people feel that they're on the spot, they're going to shut down. And it's Absolutely. because the brain is doing that. Yeah. You know, I love I know that, that safety model that you guys... Well, I was just going to say, I know that Phil talked about the safety model, and, and, and it's so critical to keep in mind when we're um, not only talking to people, but when we're designing processes and systems and organizations, when we're thinking about organizational culture, all of that, um, keeping safety in mind is so critical because it's all about our social needs. Yeah. Yeah, and they are there. That's why we're never going to be totally run by technology at the end of the day. Right? (laughs) That's right. It's it's actually it's it really is all about the relationship, the connectivity of people. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for being on the show today. I greatly appreciate it. Great insights, and I uh, hope to have you all back again. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Linda, for having me on. And um, we're going to wrap next week with Tony. Uh, Polte, who is also from um, your group, and he's going to be talking about uh, a little bit more about uh, emotional um, intelligence. He's going to be talking about some models uh, that he uses in organizations and uh, some stories about how he's really leveraged um, neuroscience and brain-based leadership to uh, in in full-blown leadership development program. So I'm very excited to have Tony. I was very excited to partner with all of you um, with this insight because I think you're absolutely right what Catherine said. This is becoming the sexy catchword of the day, just like when I was coming up with OD and some of the OD uh, interventions, people who really didn't understand them got into them and started using them 
to great destruction. I actually was in some that just shattered work teams, some T groups that were handled very poorly, some diagnosis and data collection, which was just ripped people apart instead of bringing people together. And I do have a fear that we're going to get a lot of people who read a couple of articles or listened to a couple of things or went to a three-day training program somewhere to become a neuroscience expert and um, just don't have the experience, skill, and background to move it forward. And that can be extremely dangerous, extremely dangerous. So couple of things coming up. Uh, I'm going to be speaking at the first culture conference in Chicago uh, this fall. I'm very excited about it. It's a TED type uh, conference. We're going to be having Dr. Ed- Edgar Schein there, uh, as well as other really key people to look at really culture, how culture really does affect everything in an organization and how the brain actually can drive culture or not drive effective organizational culture we have i have a newsletter that's going to be coming out very shortly um, and look for that if you want to sign up for the newsletter uh, email me or go on to my website lindasharkey.com and sign up for the newsletter lots of interesting uh, information in easy to digest uh, terms Um, we're coming out with the agile talent management Uh, four-day program, which I think is really going to be exciting. It's going to be using a way to look at how you develop talent and how you leverage the existing processes that we know work in organizations and develop new ones or build off of these for the next millennium. Take out the things that haven't been working, build in stuff that we know does work. Um, We're going to have a great fall lineup. July is going to be CEO month, talking to uh, a number of CEOs of Fortune uh, from around the world of Fortune 250 companies to really give their perspective of what keeps them up at night and how they can start things we need to be thinking about to help them develop their organization. And finally, uh, this fall, we've got a great lineup of thinkers to be talking about what is not the workplace of the future. But a lot written about that. But what are the things we have to change, do differently, um, think about, and trends that are going to be impacting the workplace that are going to need to be addressed in different ways from what we're doing today so that we can continue to grow and be effective. So I'm very excited about uh, the lineup of what's coming. Uh, very excited about the opportunity to be talking uh about neuroscience, Um, look for our Agile Talent Management uh, workshop. We're going to be running it in South Africa and uh, in Dubai. We're probably going to be running a series of them here in um, the U.S. as well. Um, We're getting away from the forced ranking notion. You know, there are many people out there that says, oh, you've got to rate people and you've got to give them a 3.2 or a 4.5 and it's got to be tied to your compensation, which, yes, there's some notions there. But we've got to be really thinking differently about how we leverage and lead and manage talent in organizations. And frankly, rankings drive fear. They force people into safety mode, as does the current existing Uh, performance management systems. So the program has a lot of tools 
and approaches for how you do effective performance management and how you engage people in a positive way so that they can continue to grow and deliver against corporate results uh, and personal results that make them more effective and make your organization more effective. So thanks for being with me this week. I love having uh, your listenership. Please send me any uh, thoughts or ideas, things that you would like me to discuss on the show, or any questions that you have that you would like me to talk about. For those of you that have had the courage to send in those emails, I thank you very much. They've been challenging and very interesting questions. Again, thanks for being with me, and I'm wrapping up our uh, next show on leadership uh, neuroscience and leadership with Catherine Hambly, Dr. Catherine Hambly. Next week, we're going to be wrapping up our series with Tony Polte. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of I Lead, The Leadership Connection. Please join Dr. Linda Sharkey again for another show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a successful week. 